You're listening to the Pigskin Cafe, a podcast covering the wild world of college football. On tap for today are hot takes, controversy, and analysis on your favorite team. Pull up a seat and your host, Hampton Sipper, will be with you in three, two, one. And we are back. Welcome back in to the Pigskin Cafe. My name is Hampton Sipper, and I will be your host this evening. And joining me today to talk a little college football week five is the correspondent at large, Graham Haney. Graham, how's it going tonight, man? Pretty good, Hampton. I, I know you say that I'm joining you this time, but it seems like the correspondent at large always has something to say. You know, always join on the college football, <laughs> the college football pod, the NFL pod. Uh, yeah, that's why whenever uh, I was given the title of a correspondent at large, I was just so humbled and excited to to accept that honor uh, because I just feel like I, you know, am I great? At, you know, talk about everything? No, but I like talking college football, I like talking NFL football. Uh, I mean, if there's other podcasts we do, I love talking about that too. So I'm just a big sports guy. So Hampton, some college football action from Week Five is uh. Get ready to be broken down by yours truly. And, uh, yeah, you're going to join me. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah, love to hear it, man. And before we get in to breaking down what I thought was a very pivotal and revelatory week of college football, let me give a quick shout-out to our sponsor, Play Action Pools, who has been hosting an NFL and college football pick for us. Man, it has been a ton of fun, Graham. I've enjoyed each and every week trying to guess the lines, trying to pick against the spread and competing against, you know, fellow co-hosts and our listeners. So let's look to the leaderboard to see kind of how we're doing. So at number one, I think for like two or three weeks in a row, Kyle Edwards is killing the game with 26 points. In second place, we have Legend, a.k.a. Woj Suave with 23. Logan Farabee. Good friend of the pod, uh, you Logan Graham, and my dad, Let's Papa, go. Papa Rick, aka <laughs> Howie Long, is at third or is in third with 21 points. And then I'm nipping right at your heels, man. Me and Shep, Stephen Phillips, and Sam Gilmer have 20 points, so it's getting tight, man. It's getting I, really tight, Captain. I- I'm telling you, I don't think I could have had a worse week of picks than I did last, you know, like this past week. I mean, you, you can't even predict the upsets that we had. Like, you know, of course, <laughs> we, we all we, we took a few chances and we were right a few times, but it was like, you know, there was other times where, you know, okay, well, Oregon should go handle Stanford, you know, like a 14 mm-hmm. and a half point favorite. And so there was a like a 99.9% chance that they win the game and then they end up losing in overtime. I mean, like, what a crazy week of upsets just in general. So I, I'm just glad I'm in third place. I was uh, I was afraid that it was going to be a whole, whole lot lower than that. So I, yeah. I don't mind a little bit of a drop off. Well, and as good as we were the previous week, Graham, <laughs> we were almost as equally as bad this week in a couple instances. Overall, we did all right. Yeah. But Notre Dame and Cincinnati, we got way wrong. All of us got that one wrong. Mm-hmm. I picked – LSU to beat Auburn. I was, I mean, that was a back and forth game. It's wrong on that. But our upset pick, Bubba, Iowa said 
the heck with y'all. Yeah. He went out there and clubbed Maryland. I mean, Talia turned the ball over. <laughs> Bless his heart. He's still throwing interceptions, man. That was an awful performance by Maryland. I was getting hype, and then he kept throwing interceptions. And after the third one, I gave up hope. Uh, but maybe, just maybe, this week we can ride the ship and get back on course. So we talked about some of the picks we got wrong. How about we recap college football week five? And what better place to start than with the two teams that have separated themselves from the rest of the pack? The Alabama Crimson Tide and the Georgia Bulldogs. Alabama faced off against Ole Miss. They hosted them in Tuscaloosa this past week and won 42 to 21. Georgia hosted game day this week, big fanfare. Right before the game, Stetson Bennett is announced starter because JT Daniels cannot go. They welcome in the Razorbacks of Arkansas, and they that game was over at the end of the first quarter. They ended up winning 37 to nothing. So I'm going to give you a quick summary of what I took away from those two games. First off, and I don't think this is a surprise to anybody, these are the two best teams in college football right now. Keyword right now. I know mm-hmm. people like to immediately prognosticate and say, well, they're going to meet at the end of the year, and they're probably going to play two or three times. That very well may be true. But this season has been very chaotic, very unpredictable at times. And I'm telling you, the time that you think something is inevitable, there will be a wrench thrown into it, and that can change everything. An upset can happen. So right now, I do think they're the two best teams. With Alabama, I'll start with them. I was at the game. Great atmosphere. Great to be back with 100,000 people cheering on your favorite team. The place was rocking. It really affected Ole Miss and their ability to communicate on offense. And I believe that it was one of the more impressive defensive performances I've seen from Alabama under Pete Golding. Last year, Ole Miss, I believe, amassed 600 yards of offense against the Crimson Tide defense and 49 points. Well, Pete Golding said, not today, not today, because he held him to two – him and his defense held him to 291 yards. And I I heard a commentator say that Alabama basically just rushed three and dropped eight in coverage, and that was not the case. Alabama played their typical defense. They played two down linemen. They played their two outside backers and Will Anderson and Drew Sanders. And I think the key is – They were very fundamentally sound. Henry Toa Toa played an incredible game. I think his best game in a Crimson Tide uniform, not only from his ability to make tackles and space like he did on that fourth and one play um, on that option or um, a couple other plays he made in the run game, but I think it was his ability to get everybody lined up to command that defense and to kind of settle everyone down, because at times last year, Ole Miss was snapping the ball before Alabama was even set. And I think his presence really helped and contributed to um, an Alabama performance that was really impressive on defense. So that was a key. The defensive line, I think, for Alabama played their best game of the year so far. 
Tim Smith kind of had a little bit of a coming out party, made a big stop on fourth and one. LeBron Ray played a little bit, not a whole lot, but they're trying to get him back in that rotation. Byron Young had a great, great day. Fedaria Mathis is an absolute stud and an All-American candidate right now. Not only is he stout against the run, but he's shown an ability to pass rush, especially the past two years that I didn't think he ever would have in his arsenal. And he's been very disruptive and been a force for that defensive line. And I think another difference from this year and last year is that defensive line really held up much better because last year, the untold story of that game, and I think we talked about it on the pod last week, Ole Miss really ran the ball for like 250 to 300 yards against Alabama last week, or not last week, last year. And Alabama did a much better job of stopping the run. Josh Job and Jalen Armour Davis played pretty good. Jalen Armour Davis had a couple PIs, a couple, you know, not play, he didn't play the ball in the air very well a couple of times, but overall he did played well. Jordan Battle, DeMarco Hellams. They were excellent. I mean, that's the best I've seen DeMarco Helms play all year. And on offense, Alabama had a really different approach from, I think, what we've seen up to this point. They said, all right, Ole Miss, you're going to play three down linemen. We're going to run the ball down your throat. And if you're not going to change, we're going to keep running it down your throat. Brian Robinson carried the ball 36 times for a hundred and – 71 yards and four touchdowns. He was very impressive. Carrying defenders. Bryce Young had another good day. Very calm, very poised. Made a couple really good throws on the run. Uh, one throw in particular, that out route to Mechie from one hash to the other was such an impressive throw by him. He continues to get better every week. He had one ill-advised throw that he probably would like to have it back, but I thought he played really well. And I think it was just a good job of coaching by that Alabama um, coaching staff. They had a good plan on offense, a good plan on defense. And uh, Lane, he said today that they didn't plug the microwave in. Well, his popcorn got burnt or it never popped at all because uh, Alabama had a plan for him and they executed it flawlessly. And I think, and this is not me as an Alabama fan, I'm just caliber teams and the way a team can stress you. I was more impressed with Alabama's win over Ole Miss than I was this next game that we're about to talk about, Georgia and Arkansas, where I think Stetson Bennett threw the ball 11 times for Georgia. He was 7 of 11 for 72 yards, but it didn't matter because Georgia could run the ball. Now, you might ask, Hampton, why could Georgia run the ball? Hampton, why could Georgia run the ball? Okay, I'm glad you asked, Graham. Thank you. So – it's the same thing that Ole Miss did and that Ole Miss deployed. They're kind of running a 3-2-6, which is three down linemen, two linebackers, and six CBs. It's a very effective defense against a spread-based offense, but against you know Alabama, who can who has shown their ability to go to 12 personnel, even 13 heavy personnel a couple times and run the ball. And Georgia, that was all they did. They were like, all right. We've got our backup quarterback in. We're just going to pound you. And Arkansas never adjusted. They kept playing three down linemen. And after the first quarter, you would think Barry Odom would adjust to say, all right, let's change to a bare front, let's, you know, which is four down linemen, you know, six people up in the box, something. Make Bennett beat you with his arm, but they never adjusted. 
And so it was an easy day for Georgia. And defensively, Georgia is a juggernaut. They're, do you know how many points they're averaging or they're allowing this year on average, Graham? It, it can't be very much. I mean, they've shut out like the past two games in a row. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'd say less than 10. 4.6 points Ooh. per game, which mm. is unreal. But I will say this point. I will say this point. I said last week on the pod, I picked Georgia for a multitude of reasons, but mainly I thought that they – which just were more more talented than Arkansas, which they clearly proved. Definitely. But also, their defense matched up with what Arkansas does well on offense. And with K.J. Jefferson hobbled, and he was clearly not even close to 100% in my eyes, you know, if you contrast what you saw on Saturday against Georgia and that first half against Texas A&M or when they played the Texas Longhorns earlier in the year, it – fed right into what Georgia wanted to do. And their defense is yet to play an offense. And honestly, looking at the rest of their schedule, I don't think they're going to play an offense that can stress them until we get into postseason play. Um, That can be a spread-type offense that can test those corners, which going into the year was considered kind of a weakness, kind of a question mark of that Georgia defense. And – I don't think they played a good offense yet. I mean, Clemson, I mean, we talked about them last week ad nauseum and how bad they looked um, off, or how bad they've looked offensively. They looked bad again um, this past Saturday against Boston College. South Carolina is in rebuild mode. Arkansas, I told y'all, or we told y'all that they're a running team and that fed right into Georgia. what Georgia wanted to do. No threat of the pass, really. UAB, Solid team for their, you know, their level of play, but not really. Um, they don't have the athletes to stress Georgia, and then they played like one other like cupcake game. So while I think their defense is very good and they're very stout, kind of reminds me of the narrative last year. Do you remember Graham when the first three games they were shutting people out and they looked very similar to what they're looking like now? But then they played Alabama and that offense who could really stress them, who could push the ball down the field vertically, who could run on them pretty well and protect their quarterback. So very impressive performance by George. I'm not trying to take anything away from them, but I want to put a little bit in context. And finally, my last point, I don't want this loss by Arkansas to demean the type of team they are. I think they're a very good team. I just don't think they match up well with Georgia. And especially when they were coming in hobbled, I just don't think it was a good time to play them, and it wasn't a good matchup. Graham, I know I went on for a while trying to you know break down the game and give you my thoughts on both Alabama and Georgia. What did you see from those two teams this weekend? And do you think that they're the top two teams in college football and are on a collision path um, in Atlanta for the SEC championship? I, I definitely think they are the best two teams. I mean – you you got to look at consistency and like you know upside. I think both of these teams, you know, I, I think Georgia right now you could you could argue is probably playing the best football in the nation. I mean, their Fair. offense offense isn't superb. That defense is uh, absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it is. They're not allowing teams to even you know like get first downs on them. It's getting so bad. It's you know that that defense is is really legit. You know, the offense is kind of the question mark with Stetson Bennett and um, JT Daniels at quarterback, just that question mark of who's going to be the guy. We don't know. 
you know, I think that that affects their offensive upside. But you know, Alabama this past week, I, I think that you know if I think what we've kind of learned is that if you like disrespect Nick Saban mm-hmm. or you try and show up Nick Saban like uh, Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss did last year. You better be ready for a reckoning the next time you meet because Nick Saban does not like to be embarrassed, and he definitely won't allow it to happen twice. Um, I think that Alabama, you know, was was well prepared for the game, especially with uh, Ole Miss coming off a bye week with an extra week to prepare for Alabama. You thought it would have at least been more competitive than it was, but to me, the storyline of that game had to be the coaching decisions made by Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. I mean. How many times did they go for it on fourth down in the first half? I mean, not even in good territory. And I, I understand, Hampton, me and you have both talked about you know playing to win the game, and I understand that completely. Mm-hmm. But in the first quarter, seven points maybe not, maybe won't make all the difference in the world. It's it might be better to say, okay, let's punt it away, get you know, give our defense good field position instead of just saying, oh, it's on our thirty yard line. And uh, we just feel like going for it, so let's do it. And mm-hmm. you know, there 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 needs to be a, a confidence that you have with your team, especially with your offense. But it can't be blind. It can't be arrogant. You know, or ignorant. It, it can't be you know any of those things. You have to be realistic to know that okay, you know, we've got you know we've gotten you know a couple first downs on you know on fourth down attempts early in the game. You know, okay, well, maybe we're not you know, we're not in a good territory right now, and it's not like fourth and inches. So let's punt it away. Let's give our defense a chance to you know show up. It, you know, it's tough in you know modern day college football to expect your defense to really perform well when you give them only you know thirty yards to work with, and um, that that's you know to me that was the biggest takeaway I had. Alabama played really well. Ole Miss just didn't seem to have it together, like I said, which was very surprising since they just had a bye week. You would have thought they had drawn up everything, had the first, you know, the the first, you know, series of plays completely scripted in a way that it was, you know, from memory, trick play, you know, you know, one time and then another trick play to really get Alabama, you know, off of their game and it and it didn't work. Um, mm-hmm. but I think the same story can kind of lie with you know with the Arkansas Georgia game is, you know, like I said, you you can't expect much of your defense when you give them such a short field to work with. And, and that was the name of the game for Arkansas. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they kept getting, you know, if Georgia didn't score, they kept punishing them, you know, and, and putting them inside the, you know, the 20 yard <laughs> line and Arkansas wasn't you know really moving the ball all that well. I mean, Georgia, that defense is fit to mm-hmm. stop the run, especially when, you know, your, your quarterback is a little banged up like KJ Jefferson was. But I was uh mm-hmm. I was really surprised that you know Arkansas's offense looked as poor as it did. Well, and I think I think part of that is because of you know whenever you start at the five ten yard line, you can't really be risky in the throws that you make, and then mm-hmm. you go four, you go three and out, and you got to punt it. Well, Georgia gets the ball at the fifty. That's if they don't return the ball well, at all. You know, that's or Georgia blocks the punt. Like yeah. I think yeah. Georgia parked the punt for a touchdown, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, they couldn't. Arkansas couldn't catch a fit or a uh, kickoff properly. But yeah. in the time they did move the ball, they had a field goal that they missed. So it was kind of not taken away from Georgia, but Arkansas kept shooting themselves in the foot over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. That that's for sure. And I, I think that Arkansas knew they were overmatched, and and they didn't really. To me, they didn't really come to play all that you know 
they they weren't really you know like fired at the seat to to really go out there and you know give everything they had. I think that you know Arkansas knows they that they have a good team, but I think they know that they're not there just yet. And and if one thing we learned this weekend, Georgia's there. I mean mm-hmm. Georgia Georgia has a team that can compete with anybody, and uh, it it'll have to be a collision course to Atlanta. I, I think that you know when you look at how the SEC East and SC West are you know shaking out. Um, Definitely some surprise teams for sure, but there, there's no doubt in anybody's mind that the best two teams in the SEC are Alabama and Georgia, and uh, mm-hmm. it'd be that'll be a fun matchup to watch in Atlanta if you know nothing really changes and they you know mm-hmm. are able to play that in the SEC championship. Well, my final point will be: I think the only team that on their regular season schedule that can stress them at all is Florida. Mm-hmm. And I know Florida lost to Kentucky, and we're about to talk about that game here in a minute. But Dan, Dan Mullen has been known to be able to be a great schematic play caller. And I think with Emory Jones, he could probably – he can do some stuff with that quarterback run game with some quick passing. And I think their defense is pretty good, um, you know, with Brenton Cox and Elam. And guys I talked about last week, I think they're the only team that can really stress them at all. Um, and even then, I don't think it's going to be enough uh, because, because honestly, like I think a team like Ole Miss would stress Georgia more than anybody left on their schedule. And that's just that's not me being Bama biased or anything like that. That's just my honest assessment of the teams that they play. Um, but one quick note on Alabama. Well, I said their defense played really well, and they did. Got to shore up tackling. I think that's still something that needs to be improved. And Bryce Young and the receiving core, we've got to start hitting, or they've got to start hitting on deep shots down the field. Mm-hmm. To, still missing that a little, um, a little too much. They're inconsistent with it. And I get it will get better with timing and everything like that. But it's something that definitely needs to be improved. And if you add that element to this Alabama offense, watch out. So, Mr. Graham, I think we covered um, both those two teams really well. Impressive performances by both of them. How about we brag again mm-hmm. on ourselves? The Kentucky Wildcats are 5-0. and and beat the Florida Gators in Lexington for the first time since my parents got married in 1986. <laughs> so it's been a long, long time. I'm gonna kick it to you, Graham. But I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out this stat. If I would have told you before this game that Florida would have had 380 two yards of total offense and that Kentucky would have 224. Would you have thought there was any way conceivable that Kentucky would win this game? I mean, I I think the only way that you could really say that, you know, Kentucky could have won, you know, that hypothetical matchup would be if there was a miracle or, you know, maybe even like a moment, like a, a kick six. Yeah. But Hampton, there was a moment like the kick six in this past week's game. I mean, it was 
it was such a fun game to watch. Not not of the fact that it was a high scoring you know affair because that it, that it was not. It was twenty to thirteen, which is you know kind of prototypical for you know a low a little bit lower scoring than you know most mm-hmm. games, especially with a Dan Mullen offense and with a Kentucky team that we thought really knew how to throw the ball this year. <laughs> but it was it really was uh, kind of a you know, I would say a boring game until the third quarter. The first half it was you know ten to seven you know. Um, Emory Jones threw a, a touchdown pass to you know, Jaquavian uh, Frazier's to get you know put Florida up seven nothing, and then uh, in the second or later in the second uh, first half, uh, Will Levis connected with Wandell Robinson for a, a forty one yard touchdown pass to tie the game at seven, and then uh, in the second quarter. Florida kicked a field goal to you know go up ten seven. So at halftime it's ten to seven. So you're like okay, Kentucky's still in this thing and. Uh, you know, maybe they have a chance to pull it out. And uh, then the third quarter, Florida goes kick another field goal. But this time, Hampton, Kentucky blocked it. Uh-oh. And not only did they block it, Trayvon Wallace it took it to the house. Come on. He housed it 76 yards. Not the, you know, the kick six of old, but it's six points all the same. And what a momentum swing uh, especially when at they're home. at home, you know, Florida's down in your territory, you know, settling for a field goal. You're, you know, even if you gave up three points in that case, it's like, you know, on a 37 yard field goal, it's like, okay, you know, roughly it, it was like, you know, that that's pretty good. I think we'll take that. If we, if they get all the way down here, we'll give them three points, but then Kentucky takes the ball, you know, blocks the field goal, takes it all the way back. You know, what a momentum shift because that's like a that's a, a 10 point swing. It goes from three points in Florida's favor to seven points in Kentucky's favor, puts Kentucky up uh, 13 to 10. And, you know, Florida was just kind of rattled by that. It was, you know, it was like Kentucky threw that punch and it knocked the wind out of it, knocked the wind out of Florida and they didn't know what to do. And so, uh, you know, later in the fourth quarter, um, Chris Rodriguez. Uh, had about a 10-yard touchdown run to, to put the Wildcats up 20 to 10 and, and really seal that game. Um, Florida would end up coming back to kick field goal, but it was it was a, a great matchup. And Hampton, our guy Will Levis threw for 87 yards on seven completions. Tore it so, up, baby. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I think that we still know what the bread and butter of Kentucky is, and Absolutely. that's running the football. But to, I think the biggest thing is, is that defense. Not that it's you know competing with Georgia, but if you can slow Florida down and you can keep mm-hmm. Florida to thirteen points, you can beat them a lot of times. Yeah. And so uh, I think that defense uh, showed up and played. You know, Hampton, it, like you said, the first time that Kentucky had beaten Florida at home since nineteen eighty six. I mean, there none of those players were alive. I bet some of those coaches weren't even alive. You know, especially. Yeah. Or they were really young. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so even not many fans remember that. So uh, you know, crazy, crazy game in Lexington and them Kentucky Wildcats are, are something to be uh you know something to be afraid of. Cause if they mm-hmm. can if they can run the ball on you, you know, they don't really have to throw it. They can show you that and uh, you know, that that well, gives Florida the second loss their second loss in the East and you know, really just you know puts like them said, out. Yeah, it, it puts Georgia, you know, way ahead. Uh, in that division for sure, but it was Whoa. a fun matchup. But Hampton, 
we love Kentucky, and we got this pick right because we stuck with our guns. Okay, be confident in what you have. So, Hampton, it just I just want to you know go back just a tad bit. Alabama, Ole Miss, we picked Alabama. Georgia, mm-hmm. Arkansas, we picked Georgia. Kentucky, Florida, we picked Kentucky. So even if the week didn't go great, we're pre- we're doing pretty, pretty good, good on the big matchups. Yeah, pretty we're doing good. pretty good on the big matchups. Well, and speaking on that and talking about Kentucky, and while I, I agree with you, their bread and butter is that running game with Chris Rodriguez and Cavassier Smoke. Mm-hmm. Mainly Rodriguez, but Smoke's a good change of pace back. But to me, when I look at the box score, and granted, I did not watch a lot of this game because I was at the Alabama game and coming home from that, so I didn't get to view the majority of it. But when I see how Florida outgained them, when I see that Florida had the ball 36 minutes and Kentucky only had it 23, Florida had around 70 plays, Kentucky had around 47. For Kentucky – to find a way to win this game, I think speaks volumes because you didn't have your best stuff. You really, when you have a time of possession discrepancy like that and you don't run that many plays, you can't really get in a rhythm on offense. And I think that finding a way to win the game, whether it's a block kick for a touchdown or Florida's driving in the final moments of the game and your defense finds a way to make it stop. I think that's really a sign of like championship DNA, championship mentality to find a way when you're not playing your best. Now for Florida, how in the world did you lose this game? How did you lose the game? You thoroughly outplayed Kentucky based on yardage, based on time of possession. You just didn't make critical plays when you needed to. And Dan Mullen looked like he looked pretty happy after he lost the game. I ain't going to lie to you, Graham. He goes over there and uh, he, you know, he's smiling and all this stuff. And apparently, according to um, our guy, Josh Pate, I know I reference him a lot on the show, but I I follow him on Twitter and uh, watch his show a lot. And he, you know, he does good work. But he said that Dan Mullen's press conference yesterday was Scott's tots level of cringe. And he said, like, hey, Mr. Mullen, what you going to do? What you going to do to be three and two? I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, Dan Mullen, I I can't believe you lose that game when you when you outgain Kentucky like that. But Kentucky has a big test this week. I don't, you know, we'll talk about LSU in here in a little bit. But LSU is still a talented team. And it's going to show me a lie if Kentucky can come off this high after beating Florida and come, you know, come back, welcome in LSU and beat them soundly. And if they do, on October 16th, we're going to have a prime matchup between Georgia and Kentucky, both 6-0, and both controlling their own destiny in the SEC East. So it's very a lot of intriguing storylines to monitor, and Kentucky keeps proving us right. Mark Stoops, we love you. Just send us some gear. Uh, do whatever you want. We've been we've been fans of you from the very start of the year. Uh, so go Wildcats, man! And with that, Graham, how about we move into players of the week? Well, before before we do that, before we do that, let me I'm gonna give a couple quick hitters. 
Uh, Texas A&M proved our point last week um, of them being disappointing, dropping a game to Mississippi State. <laughs> uh, I mean, that was just bad. I mean, uh, A&M, like, they hit the nail on the head. I mean, we 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 put the, the matchup right there. We did. Texas A&M's not a very good football team, and they sure enough proved it to us on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Well, and but watch this upcoming week. They're going to play the game of their life. Best it's team going to be their. It's going to be their Super Bowl. Best team that Jimbo's ever had. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So that was big. Auburn winning for in LSU or at LSU for the first time since 1999. That was big. Gutsy performance by Bo Nix um, and that Auburn team. They got down early. He kept fighting. Uh, now I think the fans are overreacting a little bit because I don't think LSU's that good of a team. But I give I give credit. I give um, kudos to you finding the resolve, finding a way to be resilient and win that game in a hostile environment. So kudos to Auburn. Tennessee going to three and two. Very impressive by Josh Heupel. They look like the greatest show on turf. They scored 62 points against an abysmal Missouri's defense is absolutely abysmal <laughs> this year, and uh, I give you know give credit to Tennessee. I did not expect them to be three and two, and they've looked a lot better than I thought they would going into the year. So I just want to give a quick um, rundown of some of the other games in the league before we get to players of the week. And Graham well, Hampton, I, 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 we've got to point out one game you didn't mention, and, and okay. I think it's probably the. I mean, when you talk about momentum of a season, it has to be. The, the biggest game of, of this team's season, the Vanderbilt Commodores. <laughs> Inching out the Yukon Huskies, 30-28 on a, a last-second field goal by Joseph Bullivus, the Alabama transfer. That's his second game winner this year, man. Uh, yeah. so Shout-out to him. Hey, I actually had a, you know, some family members say, you know, Graham, you know, since I'm living in Nashville now, they said, Graham, you should, you know, really go to a Vanderbilt football game. And I said, I just don't know if I want to go watch the Battle of the Bads. I mean, Vanderbilt uh, and UConn, I mean, cringeworthy. But cringe-worthy. Vanderbilt at least didn't, like, at least they didn't embarrass the SEC. They tried to, mm-hmm. but at least they didn't do it twice in one year. Hey, in the words of Al Davis, just win, baby. That's what they did. <laughs> Graham, speaking of winning, who won on the field this week and secured your player of the week? Absolutely. Hampton, you, you really just talked about him, and I got to go uh, with Bo Nix. I, I think that you know when you look at his career at Auburn, lots of ups and downs, but to me, this is probably the biggest win of his career. And Absolutely. I, think, I, I definitely think that because of not the talent of team that LSU is, but the environment, the composure that he showed when you're down in the game, what did he do? He started to make plays, and that was mostly with his feet. I mean, the guy couldn't be tackled. He, every time that LSU seemed mm-hmm. to you know, really you know, condense the pocket, he, he couldn't go. He wouldn't go down, and so sometimes that would lead to you know five yard runs. But a lot of times it'd lead to open receivers. Mm-hmm. And there was one time you know. For a, I think it was it might have been third it was either third or fourth down he does it and then finds Tyler Fromm in the end zone for a fourth touchdown down. Yeah, fourth, down, fourth yeah. down play mm-hmm. and so it, it you know Bo Nix you know 
had a really good game to me. Not that he you know looked Heisman worthy because I'm not going to get on that. I'm not getting on that bus by any means. Wait, but this is in the year. This is not the year. This is not the year. He but, hadn't improved so much under the. <laughs> <laughs> but but to me during this game. You can pull back the Johnny Manziel tape, and, and it okay. looks very similar. Okay, I, I'm I'm just saying I'm this have to game. Stop you. I'm, have to I'm stop just saying you. this game. But the the stats were, you know, Bo Nix threw for 255 yards uh, on a 23 completions, 23 for 44, so not very efficient, but threw for <laughs> threw no. for threw for a touchdown and uh, had 74 rushing yards and, and, and a touchdown. One. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I got to go. The player, you know. Talk about just carrying your team to the win, you know, after having a really bad week the week before, you know, kind of turning around, not having like a phenomenal performance, but when his back was against the wall, he showed that he could actually have a little bit of talent and show some of that. So my player of the week has got to be Bo Nix, quarterback Uh from Auburn. Hampton, who earned the trophy? And it's not a participation trophy. No, it's not. Who earned your player of the week. Well, before I get in that, you know what Bo Nix proved? He proved that the most valuable lesson he learned from Gus Malzahn is that when his job is in jeopardy, he performs at his best. So shout out to Bo Nix for doing that. Uh, I, you know, only thing I'll say about him, he is an incredible athlete. And I think he misses calling playing running back because mm-hmm. the best plays I've ever seen Bo Nix make, or when he's running around and making people miss and using his athleticism. Uh, I'm not going to go with the Johnny Manziel comparisons. It's a little uh, over the top. But good win by Auburn. Good play by Bo Nix. I'll make mine short and sweet. I'm picking Brian Robinson. Talked about him earlier in the show. The man was a bowling ball, and to me, reminded me a little bit of Eddie Lacy this past Saturday with his jump cut ability. It uh, was carrying guys just a bowling ball. They couldn't tackle them. They didn't want any of them. Uh, mm-hmm. 36 carries for 171 yards and four touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Just incredible performance by him. And with Jace McClellan now being out for the year with an ACL tear, his role just got that much more important. So shout out, B-Rob. You are my player of the week. And Graham, let's get in to our week six predictions but before we do we have a special guest we told y'all on twitter a week or two ago like or share this post for a chance to be a guest picker on our pod and so we're about to have that guest picker the one and only the host of tide talk podcast along with jake thomas mr stacy blackwood stacy Welcome into the Pigskin Cafe, man. I'm I'm gr- I'm great, and I'm glad to be here. I appreciate you having me, Hap. So uh, I'm looking forward to doing these picks and kind of breaking down some of these matchups here in, in Week Six. It's a it's a big weekend. The last two weekends have been, you know, really big in college football. So uh, looking forward to, to talking about these matchups. Absolutely, man. We are glad glad to have you aboard, and let's get right into it. So we're going to start with Arkansas at Ole Miss, both teams coming off their first defeat of the year. It's in Oxford at Vaught-Hemingway, or as uh, Lane Kiffin likes to say, come to the SIP. So, Stacey, I'll start with you, man. 
what is your feel in this game? Who do you who do you got coming out winning the Rebs or or excuse me, the Black Bears or the Razorbacks? You know, this is a, a really tough game to pick because uh, I think the teams are, are pretty evenly matched. But in, in a game where it's evenly matched, I look at, you know, who has the quarterback advantage mm-hmm. and and who has the offense that can make the most explosive plays. And, and right now, that's that's Ole Miss. Matt Corral is is clearly a better quarterback than what uh, K.J. Jefferson is at this point. So so I'm going to go with Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss kind of rebounding all over the, after that tough defeat to Alabama and, and getting a win against Arkansas. Yeah. Graham, what do you think, man? Stacy, that's a great take. Uh, I'm with you. I think Ole Miss is going to win this football game. When you look at it, both teams rebounding from a tough loss. Um, I I don't really think that gives much of an advantage to either of them to know that, you know, they're both, you know, right now trying to prove their season. Uh, But to me, I think the momentum is going to swing in Ole Miss's favor. Quarterback plays important, um, but, you know, that Georgia defense is legit, and it kind of showed some weaknesses in that Arkansas offense. So give me uh, the Ole Miss, whatever the mascot name is, and I'm gonna take them by uh, I'm gonna take them by 14. So Hampton, okay, are we sticking with the Ole Miss train, or are we going uh, with the Sam Pittman Arkansas team? Well, I would love to spice it up a little bit and pick Arky, like I did last. Well, not last week, the week before last against A and M, but I got to go with Ole Miss for all the reasons you mentioned. Stacey, great point about them having the better quarterback. I think KJ Jefferson is a really good player, but he's hobbled right now. He's banged up, and he hadn't looked the same since he took that hit in the third quarter against the Aggies. So I think Ole Miss will be able to be more explosive on offense. My only concern is with that three-man, that three-D-line front that Ole Miss runs – I'm worried about Arkansas being able to run on them, but also the same could be said for Ole Miss being able to run on Arkansas because they run the same type defense. Uh, so it'll be an interesting matchup, but I think Lane Kiffin uh, will rebound, come up with a good game plan, and hand the Razorbacks their second defeat of the season. So we all picked Ole Miss for that one. Let's move on to LSU at Kentucky. Now, this one's really interesting. Mainly, I don't know if it's interesting from a matchup perspective or just really a storyline perspective. Because, guys, if LSU loses this game, Ed Ordron and that gumbo is going to keep getting hotter and hotter. That hot seat is going to be bowling over. And I'll go ahead and start off um, the picks for this one. I think Kentucky's going to win this game. I think they're going to be resilient. They're going to come back from that big win over Florida, and they're going to handle this LSU team that I think they're on the verge of not quitting, but kind of like last year, they hit that middle of the season when things weren't going well and started to play pretty poorly. Now, they did rebound. I'll give them credit, and they beat Florida uh, due to the shoe toss um, at the end of the game. (laughs) But I think Kentucky's going to be able to run all over them. Um, LSU can't run the ball. That was one of the key things in that game last week against Auburn. They ran the ball, I think, 29 times for 25 yards, or I might have the numbers reversed. But that is just absolutely pathetic. And if you had told me that three or four years ago with LSU, 
LSU being known for their ability to run the ball, even when they couldn't throw a forward pass, I mean, that's just unbelievable. And I don't, I don't think Max Johnson can carry them to a win on his arm alone. I think Kayshawn Butte is an awesome player, probably the best receiver in the SEC, but I just don't think that's enough. So combined with Kentucky's ability to run the ball, LSU's inability to run the ball, and too much on Max Johnson, I've got Kentucky winning by anywhere from 10 to 14 points. Graham, how do you see this one? I like your take, Canton, and I, I'm sticking with you. We've been big fans of Kentucky all year, and so yes, we're gonna we go. Have. We're gonna go with them again. You know, I, I think Kentucky's fans are gonna be you know, really excited after you know beating Florida for the first time, and I mean almost forever uh, playing at home. So I think the fans are gonna come out. You know, be excited to watch the game, and uh, you know LSU did a little bit better against the run defensively this past week, but I think Kentucky's a whole different ball game. Uh, mm-hmm. than Auburn was. So give me Kentucky, and I'm going to take them uh, by 10. I think that you know Kentucky's defense, back up, you know, let, let them get the shallow stuff, you know, let them try and run the ball, you know, but nothing nothing big for Butte, and I think that'd be a formula to win for Kentucky. Stacy, we got two picks for Kentucky. Uh, do you believe that LSU is going to rebound this week and Edo might save that job? I actually do. I think LSU oh, okay. is, is – yes, it's time to spice some things up here. I think LSU <laughs> has – regardless of how they've played this year, they have a lot of talent on their roster, mm-hmm. uh, even more so than what Kentucky has. And I think they also have the quarterback advantage in the game as well. Now, uh, Kentucky obviously has the advantage in the rushing attack, but like uh, Graham mentioned, LSU was much better against the run this last week against Auburn, who has Tank Bids, Bigsby and – uh, the Hunter kid. So th- they have a, a formidable rushing attack. And and LSU was, you know, pretty much able to contain that. Now, they were not able to tackle Bo Nix <laughs> on a couple <laughs> plays. But yeah. uh, but I, I just feel like LSU, with all that talent, Kayshawn Butte, like you mentioned, I think is the best receiver in the SEC. Uh, Max Johnson has played, you know, really solid for them this year. I, I feel like LSU is going to rebound and Coach O is going to save his job, at least for, for this week. I, I just think with – I don't want to play a team as talented as LSU after after they've been defeated in the way that they were defeated last week. I mean that that kind of leaves a bad taste in those guys' mouths. So I feel like and you know Kentucky's kind of coming off that big win against Florida. So I think LSU comes in hungry and uh, that they walk away with a, with a narrow victory over Kentucky. Yeah, you know, like Graham and I disagree with you, but. I like your rationale and your reasoning because I totally get your, I totally understand your perspective and maybe, Hey, maybe they do show a little bit of grit and a little bit of heart um, because they were after that first quarter, they looked like they were lacking it a little bit against Auburn on Saturday night. But real quick question to both of you. Do you think Ed Orgeron survives the season win or lose this game? Uh, probably not. Probably not. I, I just because uh, you know they're going to lose to Alabama. Uh, they'll lose to Florida. Uh, that's four losses on the year, um, not including what happens in this game. Arkansas, so I, Arkansas. They're probably not going to beat Arkansas. Ole Miss or Ole Miss. So yeah, there's <laughs> it's it's not looking good for LSU and or not looking good for Coach O for sure. Yeah, I don't. 
this is tough. I think that you know LSU wants to move on from Ed O, but they're kind of getting the same boat they were at this you know time last year. Last time they were trying to make coaching changes. Who's going to be the next guy? And it seemed that everybody seemed to edge out LSU and who they were going to take. So to me, I think that if they kind of can nail down a candidate, they say this is who we want and we can go get them. Then Ed O's definitely out. I mean, I think that's for sure. Uh, but you know, he might just hold on to the skin of his teeth just because of the fact that LSU doesn't do a great job of the nailing down coaching people. So um, I, I, I think he makes it through the season, maybe, but I don't think he's the coach uh, come signing day. That's a good take. I think he's. I think he's out of there. Uh, it, I think they're going to care about those sexual assault allegations a lot more at this, all of a sudden to fire him with cause. And they're going to try to go. I think they're going to try to go for Hugh Freeze. That's what I think. And he would not. kill it down there. I hope not either. As an Alabama fan, I hope not either. But I think they're tired of not only the mediocrity on the field, but all the off the field stuff too, which has been very problematic, not only for their program, but like perception wise, just terrible look, Um, terrible look by them. So interesting perspective by both of y'all. Now let's move on to the third game of the weekend. The South's oldest rivalry. Auburn is hosting the Georgia Bulldogs this weekend. Graham, do you think Auburn – with a newly confident Bo Nix and, you know, the fighting Brian Harsons and, you know, all that good stuff. Do you think they pose any threat to Georgia who has looked invincible this year? Or do you think it um, it's going to be a long day for the Tigers? I think it's going to be a long day for the Tigers. That The Georgia defense really, you know, showed up on Saturday – Arkansas is probably, to me, their biggest test because Clemson's offense, arguably, it, it, we talked about it being overrated, wasn't very special. No, That Arkansas team was not able to move the ball hardly at all against Georgia. Uh, I think that you know it's not as big of a swing as the Arkansas game was, but I definitely think that Georgia wins. And I, I'd take them by you know, probably you know, 21 points, 21, 24 mm-hmm. points. I just don't see Auburn being able to – uh, you know, getting the end zone consistently against this Georgia team. I think that, you know, whatever quarterback they go with, Stetson Bennett or JT Daniels, finds enough offense uh, to keep Georgia going. So I'll take Georgia by 20. There's no miracle in Jordan Hare this year uh, with uh, Auburn and Georgia. So, Hampton, I'll throw it back to you. I want to hear your thoughts on this Auburn and Georgia game. Georgia is going to beat them by 21 to 28 points. And the reason is that defense that we've talked about ad nauseum, Auburn has no legitimate threat other than Tank Bigsby and even him and their stable of running backs with uh, Jarquez Hunter, Sean Shivers, who I think hasn't been talked about enough of how well he played in that LSU game with a couple pivotal third down conversions. I don't think their offensive line matches up with that D-line at all. Jordan Davis is going to wreak havoc on them. And you got Nico, you know, Nicobe Dean, Nolan Smith, Adam Anderson. All those guys are going to uh, be able to stymie that rushing attack. 
Then it's all on Bo Nix. And I don't think Bo Nix is going to be able to run around like he's going through. I saw someone tweet um, the Zelda dungeon before he has to throw every ball. (laughs) Um, I don't think he's going to be able to do that consistently. I don't think that's a sustainable model for you to move the ball. And on offense, Georgia, um, whether it's Bennett or um, JT Daniels, I think they're going to be able to run the ball pretty well Um, because I think Auburn's defense is – they're solid. I wouldn't say that they're um, incredible. Now, if they got Owen Papo back, I don't know he's been injured, and I don't know when he's coming back. But if he came back, then that may, you know, bolster their chances. But I think Georgia's just too much. Um, But – I will say this, it is in Jordan-Hare, and weird shenanigans happen there all the time. So if Auburn ultimately did win the game, I would not be shocked. Stacy, what do you think, man? Well, I think Georgia's going to win. I mean, I, I'm no doubt about that. But I, I'm really struggling on whether, because of the fact that it's at Jordan-Hare Stadium and all the crazy shenanigans, as you call it, Hampton, that has happened there over time, uh, I, I – you know, Georgia should win this game by, you know, 20 points or so. But but you never know. I mean, the, the Georgia offense isn't just anything that's, you know, over – you know, they're not overpowering. The running game is really solid, but it's not spectacular. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the passing game is just average, if if we're being honest, especially if Stetson Bennett's the quarterback. So, Auburn can hang around in that, you know, that part of the game. But uh, like you said, Hamp, Auburn's not going to be able to move the ball on Georgia. Uh, Bo Nix is not – consistently accurate enough to, to move the ball against mm-hmm. good defenses. So I just I just don't feel like they're going to be able to score enough to, to keep this game close. But like you said, Hamp, I would not be surprised if, you know, some crazy things happen in that stadium. And, uh, you know, you get to the fourth quarter and it's like, you know, 17 to 10 or something and Auburn has the ball and, you know, something crazy happens. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, nine times out of 10, Georgia's going to win this game by by 17 to 24 points or so. So I, I'm going with Georgia by, you know, by, by about three scores. Mm-hmm. And I think I heard Kirby talk about it in his presser. Their defense is out to kind of prove they're one of not the best in the nation, but one of the best of all time. I believe that's a mission for them, and I don't think Auburn is the team to challenge that mission or even threaten um, threaten them because I don't think they're built to do to exploit the potential weaknesses or um, holes in that Georgia defense, which I believe is their secondary and attacking the you know attacking them vertically down the field. Uh, now for the final game of the weekend, Alabama after a big win against Ole Miss is traveling to College Station to take on Jimbo Fisher's Texas A&M Aggies, who are coming off a pretty brutal loss um, to, uh, the, you know, to Mike Leach and the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Stacy, I can pretty much feel that um, you might be picking Alabama in this one, but – yeah, I, th- I think I'll go with the Tide. I think you I think will. you'll but, go with the Tide. Yeah, but break yeah, it but, down for me. Yeah, just looking at this game, uh, the what concerns me about this game is the fact that A and M is coming off that loss, the back to back losses to Arkansas and then Mississippi State. They're they're reeling. They really they really need a win to kind of save the season for 
for Jimbo Fisher with all the expectations. And, and the truth is the expectations should not have been there. They were replacing mm -hmm. their, their, you know, pretty much their all-time leading passer in Kalamon. Four of the five offensive, offensive linemen were gone from, from last year's team. So there was a lot to replace on that offense. And I think the expectations were too high. Then Haynes King goes down with an injury, and Calzada is now stepping in, and he just he's not ready to play yet. Uh, so, uh, you know, like I said, A and M is reeling. They're going to do everything they can to try to exploit this Alabama team, and you know, find holes in their game. But uh, I, I just feel like Alabama's kind of finding its groove at the right time offensively. The defense mm -hmm. is obviously playing better. Uh, each week, the, the the Ole Miss game, the first you know three quarters of that game, uh, you're talking about a team that gave up seven points to you know you could make the argument to the best offense in the country. Statistically, so, they were before that game, absolutely. Right. So it's uh, I feel like the defense is finding its way. The special teams has been solid all year uh, for Alabama. Jamison Williams has been a nice addition to the kick return game. So mm -hmm. uh, and of course, Rockard is is pretty much automatic. So Alabama is just the better team. Uh, right now they're playing, you know, their best football of the season. It seems like they get better each and every week. A&M doesn't have enough on offense. Isaiah Spiller's a great back, but they don't have enough on offense to compete with Alabama. So I I'm going to take Alabama, and I think it'll be be something around, you know, 38 to, to, to 13 or something like that. Alabama's just too strong for the Aggies. Stacy, I, I like that pick. You know, A&M, we talked about it in the pod, you know, I guess it was last – Last, Last week, week, after they yeah, yeah after they you know, lost LSU, we weren't convinced that A and M was very good. Calzada doesn't you know he he eliminates, move the needle. <laughs> he doesn't move the needle, and he honestly eliminates all the explosive plays from this offense. They have playmakers in yeah. Meyer and uh, you know Isaiah Spiller. I, I like those two guys, but the you know guy that's supposed to you know get everything going, Calzada he's not it. So right. I think Alabama wins big. This A&M offense just isn't it. We talked about the uh, A&M run defense. I think Brian Robinson's bound to have another really good game. And uh, I think Alabama goes to College Station and uh, takes care of business. Business. I'm going to go uh, 45 to 13 is probably a good number good. for A&M. They'll probably score Gracious. three times maybe. So uh, Alabama big. Campton, just Alabama's going to win. We mm – -hmm. We're not gonna you know, nail it down, but we know you're gonna pick Alabama. So tell us why, and uh, tell us how bad uh, A&M's gonna be feeling after this game. Well, I agree with most of the point. Well, not most, pretty much all the points that y'all made. I will push, but I don't think if we if Alabama scores 45 points against what I consider a pretty good Texas A&M defense, I think they're probably gonna be top three to four defense that Alabama plays all year. Then as an Alabama fan, I'm going to be on cloud nine. I'm going to be very excited and very optimistic about the development of this offense, which I have been been very encouraged the past few weeks with little stuff that they're adding here and there, more of Jaleel Billingsley, more of the split back formation that Bill O'Brien employed this past week, which I really Love liked. Love Loved that. it. Um. But I think I think A&M's defense is they're a solid unit, uh, especially their defensive line with McKinley Jackson, uh, Shamar Turner has been a good, nice little freshman player for De them. Marvin Leal is a stud. Leal, yep, he's he's uh, probably top ten, top fifteen pick 
in the draft next year. So they've got some dudes on that side of the ball, but offensively, y'all y'all nailed it. They they're they're pretty inept, and for Jimbo to be a so-called quarterback whisperer and not to be able to do anything more than I mean what they've shown the past few weeks. Uh, I mean, you, we might need to strip that title a little bit from him because <laughs> I think we talked about last week. Other than Jameis, who's he really developed? Well, yeah, that's – I mean, he had he had Kellen on for three years, and he never got any better. I mean, he was the same dude when mm-hmm. he left A&M as he was when he got there. So, uh, I, I've always thought Jimbo was a little little bit overrated. I mean, he's obviously a really good coach. He won a national championship, but uh, he's just slightly overrated. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I agree. And my final prediction, I'm going to go with Alabama scoring 38 points like you, Stacey. And I'm going to say A&M scores 14. I'm going to go 38-14 and the tide, the tide roll. Maybe start out a little sluggish coming off a big win against Ole Miss. But ultimately, in the end, they uh, cruise on to victory, go to 6-0, and and then get to travel to Starkville against Mississippi State, who actually looks like a competent football team this year, unlike many times last year. So uh, that'll be another interesting test. Well, we picked those games. We picked the four main SEC games. Now it's time for, I think, my new favorite segment on the show. It's upset alert time. So, Stacy, since you're our guest, how about you tell us who you got on upset alert this week, man? Well, I had it. I had it just pulled up, and my phone locked up. But it's uh, it's <laughs> Wake Forest at Syracuse. Ooh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Wake Tell Forest. Me why. Is un- Wake Forest is undefeated, uh, and and you know they're they're flying high. They're not used to having this type of, uh, you know, publicity. They're a top twenty-five team now, and Dino Babers is is all about getting an upset when he's not really supposed to. So I I feel like Dino Babers is going to pull one off here uh, and improve the Syracuse Orange to four and two on the season and give Wake Forest their first loss of the season. Stacey, that's a good pick. I I like Wake Forest. To me, that's the best chance the ACC has to get somebody in the playoff. I mean, (laughs) is that not sad? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it's hilarious to be honest. It is hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. Wake Forest is a team that, uh, you know, is it their coach Claus and I think, you know, Dave Claus. And anyway, he literally said they have to recruit, you know, not as good players and have to develop them because they just can't get any better. And it's like, well, that's kind of a knock on your team. But, you know, I, Wake Forest, the best chance ACC has to get in, into the, um, you know, get into the playoff with that offense. You know, they got some firepower, but they can be on upset alert because, like we just said, the talent may not well, be there. Well, Louisville almost beat them this past week. Yeah. And I don't think Louisville is that good of a football <laughs> team either. So you might you you might be well, dead hey, on Stacey. And, and this game is being played at the Carrier Dome. Ain't that what it's called there at Syracuse? That's that, that, that sounds right. Yeah. That's uh, you know they they've beat Clemson there once when when they were really good. So mm-hmm. uh, I, that would not surprise me at all. That's that's who I got on upset alert. Yeah, Graham, that's how good. about you give us yours, man? Yeah, we're going out west for this matchup. I'm gonna take a a, a top ten upset. I'm taking Uh-oh. the unranked Boise State Broncos to upset uh, BYU. BYU's like a four-point favorite, so it's kind of close for an unranked versus a top-ten matchup. 
But the storyline is BYU's quarterback situation. Their top two quarterbacks were hurt last week, so uh, one with a concussion. And so you know, we're not really sure who's going to play, who's not going to play, and it's a rivalry game. So I, Boise State hadn't had the best year, especially for Boise State standards, but I think they come to play, man. I, I'm going to take Boise State uh, taking care of business, especially with BYU having a big question mark on the quarterback situation. Like BYU's program, like Kalani Sataki and what he's doing out there, but uh, there's no Zach Wilson playing quarterback for BYU, BYU this year. I'm going to go with Avalos and the Boise State Broncos to take care of business. Uh, I think it's an afternoon game too, so maybe even catch mm-hmm. uh, BYU sleeping. So give me BYU in the up, uh, give me Boise State in the upset over upset. number ten BYU. Got to go big or go home, Hampton. Hey, Graham, I just want to commend you. Great job on the pronunciation of the BYU coach's name because I would have absolutely butchered that. Hey, so that's kudos part of, to you, my friend. Part of being the correspondent at large, you got to be able to <laughs> nail the names. That's <laughs> what I'm saying, man. Well, my upset alert has to do with three words. All right, all right, all right. Hook em horns. Steve Sarkeesian is going to take down Lincoln Riley and the Oklahoma Sooners this Saturday. And let me tell you why. I have not been impressed at all from what I've seen from Oklahoma this year. They have struggled in every game they've played except the Western Carolina game. And Western Carolina is the equivalent of playing Bishop Sycamore. They're not – I mean, God bless all those kids. I'm glad they're fighting hard and they got that paycheck. But they're not on the same level as Oklahoma. But Tulane gave them a rough time. Nebraska, Kansas State this past week. Uh, West Virginia almost beat them. And to me, when you play on the edge like that, eventually a team's going to come around and beat you. And they're going to put it over the top. And it ain't going to be close anymore. It's going to end with you losing. And I think, and I believe, Sarkeesian had to make the change at quarterback, partially due to injury, but also I think partially due to game performance. And Casey Thompson um, has really reignited um, that Longhorn offense with him and Bijan Robinson, who I believe is the best running back in the nation. The dude's incredible. And they're going to ride that running game and Casey Thompson's ability to make plays down the field. And they're going to upset the Oklahoma Sooners this Saturday. I fully believe it. I think Sarkeesian has had this game circled. And after that Arkansas lost, Loss, they have looked very, very impressive. So, hook them horns. All right, all right, all right. As Matthew McConaughey would say, <laughs> go Texas. They're taking down Oklahoma. What do y'all think about that? I hope that I like it. I mean, Casey Thompson really has changed that offense for Texas. Uh, a whole lot more expo- explosive plays. Um, you know, two weeks ago they played, you know, Texas Tech and absolutely blew them out. Uh, last 70 week, on them. Yeah. yeah l- last week, go to Fort Worth and play TCU. You know, play it close, but end up pulling it out. But uh, they still scoring a decent amount of points. I like Texas in that game, especially with, you know, the inconsistency that Oklahoma's playing with. You know, it, it just seems like it's just, you know, they're just waiting to, to get knocked off. You know, they're mm-hmm. playing lots of close games. Um, and I think Texas is going to be the most talented team that they've played so far. So uh, Alex Grinch might not have the answers this week. He might not. Stacy, what about you, man? Yeah, 
Yeah, I think you're I think you're right on point, Hampton. I, I think Texas will beat Oklahoma. I just don't think Oklahoma is a great team this year. No. Spencer Rattler has not been impressive at all. He's he's gonna throw at least a pick a game. Maybe he should throw about three picks a game because he throws <laughs> That's in, about the throw, truth. Yeah. He throws in the double coverage about every other pass. So uh I, I'm just not sold on Oklahoma. Uh, and, and, you know, that's another part. You look at, at Lincoln Riley, kind of just a little bit off subject. He hasn't really developed a guy yet. He, Great he, point. You know, I'm with I you. Mean, Baker Mayfield transferred in. Kyler Murray transfer, transferred in. Jalen Hurts transferred in. Mm-hmm. Rattler is really his first project, and it's not really going that well. So uh, maybe maybe time to stop pumping, start pumping the brakes on what Lincoln Riley can do as a as a quarterback coach so mm-hmm. uh just that's just my opinion on that but I, i'm with you i think texas is really probably just a better team right now than what oklahoma is so uh and, and oklahoma is just about a three and a half point favorite so uh hamp you're really not going out on that big of a limb by, by putting him on up <laughs> so good gracious that man I, came with the quiver and was ready to fire but hey since you go go home man i need i you need to quit playing safe i, I mean this i thought is that upset was going bigger going home i thought that was i thought that was pretty bold but even though stacy came in my own pot and stabbed me in the back i will give him <laughs> kudos for an incredible point about lincoln riley he hadn't developed a quarterback and that offense with the old line that they have and with the running back core they have and the receivers in hazelwood uh mims countless others that are just elite playmakers and for them to not be able to beat um soundly some of the teams that they played that's kind of an indictment on him i totally agree with you and one more player for texas that i want to mention xavier worthy the receiver from i believe california he has added a real um explosiveness to that offense and kind of open things up and you compliment him and his ability to win down the field and Bijan. Um Xavier Worthy's a kid I really wanted Alabama to get. Um and uh there were uh, some sh- shenanigans. Yeah, there was there was some yeah shenanigans going on. That's the best way to put it. Yeah, I don't want to get too much into that, but uh yeah, that's been a um that was an interesting recruiting uh recruiting saga that i'll i could tell uh old graham off uh, off stage but guys do we have anything else that we want to discuss before we get out of here well go ahead go ahead okay let's say that i was going to just say something about spencer radler i i I saw something where uh mel kuyper the draft expert is you know pretty much saying that you know spencer radler's draft position is really sinking i mean it it's going faster than like a a person wearing some, uh, you know, concrete boots in a lake, you know, it's going down fast. So, um, yeah, I, I don't, Spencer Rattler hadn't been very impressive, especially for the talent that he was supposed to come in with. And we've seen it at some points, but not this year. So Hampton, mm-hmm. it definitely could be a quote unquote upset pick, but I think we all might think <laughs> Texas is alive. Paper. Hampton, yeah. I didn't mean I didn't mean to throw shade at you like that on your own show. I just oh, uh, it's okay. I just Stacey. needed to point out the fact that it that it really wasn't that far of a reach for you to pick Texas in that game. <laughs> well, let me inform the listeners on something. I told both of these guys before the, <laughs> before we made the picks that I was that was who I was picking. Not one word came out of their mouth about me not going out on a limb or that not really being an upset. So hey, I remember I was, that. I was loading the chamber. 
Loading the chamber. <laughs> oh, man. Well, great time, Stacy. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Before we go, how about you plug what all you got going on, man? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, I appreciate y'all guys having me on. I had a great time talking some college football. But, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Blackwood89. You can follow the Tide Talk podcast on Twitter at Tide Talk Pod. And like can't mention, I have a kind of a TV series I recap uh, each week called Believe in the Blacklist. It's at Believe Blacklist on Twitter. So appreciate y'all. If y'all subscribe there, uh, uh, just follow me on Twitter. Like I said, I enjoy talking college football and really just anything in general. And mm -hmm. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Of course, man. Yeah, and – and you write for uh, Roll Tidewire for yeah, USA Today. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have several things going on. <laughs> I know. He wears many hats, ladies and gentlemen. But now, thank you again for joining us. And Graham, great show as always, man. Always a pleasure talking college football with you. And that will do it for our college football recap show for week number five. We're almost halfway through the year, but having a great time doing it. Feel free to follow us on social media on Instagram and Twitter at Pigskin Cafe Pod for up-to-date info on showtimes and for polls that we have going on and other pertinent information like, hey, I don't know, a chance to be a guest picker on one of our shows. Uh, be sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you, you know, wherever you listen, good for driving to work, driving home for any occasion. And we will be back later this week recapping a thrilling week of NFL football action. But until then, the Pigskin Cafe is closed for now. But until then, you can chew on that. <laughs>